have a position that I don't think certain things should be in the school funded by public tax dollars. The things that I refer to are extreme uh, by, by any means, because I've read them at a school board meeting and everybody in the audience across the political spectrum had wide eyes yeah. and dropped jaws, right? And, and they were all like, oh my Lord. A lot of people I talked to say, that can't possibly be in the yeah. school. Said, I'll bet you 50 bucks. I, no one's taken me up on it yet because my buddy looked at me and said, I don't want to lose the $50. I think you're right. Get ready for the uncloseted conservative hour you've been waiting for. No censors, no fake news, just facts and the freedom to speak them. Friends, if you are still in the conservative closet, I've got one question for you. Why? We've sat in silence. We've been on the sidelines for years. How has it been working out? That's why it's an uncloseted conservative revolution right here, right now. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the Joe Mobley Show. I am Joe Mobley, your host, and the original Uncloseted Conservatives. Guys, obviously, this is a special broadcast because I don't do a show on Monday, and I normally don't do shows at night. So this is Monday night, as you can see. In studio, we've got Mr. Michael Ribery. He's running for school board, and we're going to be talking about all that more in just a minute. Before we get into that, let's get into this. Today's episode is brought to you by Dr. Zelenko's Z-Stack. Guys, Promote and uh, secure a healthy immune system. You need vitamins, you need minerals, and you don't need them to be kosher, but hey, they're kosher, they're organic, they're sourced right here in the US of A. You don't have supply chain issues coming from China or other countries uh, in Asia. Go to djmobleyshow.com slash ZStack, promo code Mobley at checkout. Mobley is spelled M-O-B-L-E-Y. Go to ZStack.com slash Mobley or djmobleyshow.com slash Z-Stack, use promo code Mobley and save. Guys, You, we've learned over the last two years, particularly, that local politics is what matters most. We've asked you guys to run, uh, not just for federal Congress, but to run for House of Delegates, run for Board of Supervisors, Town Council, whatever you've got, we've asked you to run. And at the top of the ticket, with everything that's gone on here, Latin County is ground zero for this stuff. Uh, we've asked you guys to run for the school board. Michael Rivera has thrown his hat in the ring. We're going to talk about all that more, and it all starts right now. And a little dance that I do when that goes on, but I do it every time. All right, what's going on, man? Well, uh, full disclosure, Joe Mobley is a good friend of mine. We've known each other for... Oh, see, that thing's going to get you in the head. Oh, no. I know. It's just like protrude. Uh, about two years now, we, we you and I started in this uh, uh, fight for our children. Um, I got in the race about two years ago um, after uh, finding out some of the content, the material that was being shown to my son. Um, and here we are, fast forward. So I wanted to kind of talk to you a little bit about where we're at today. And and it seems like everyone I talked to, even tonight, um, we were in Leesburg at the Halloween parade. Uh, everyone I talked to says, how did we get here so fast? It seems like two years ago when we were at the school board meetings, 
we weren't dealing with this madness that we have today. Um, and sometimes I, I, I wake up in the middle of the night just trying to figure out how we got here. So it seems like there was some sort of, uh, uh, you know, you have to, you have to jump right into, into the issues. There was some sort of a transgender revolution of sorts that somehow happened. And I don't know its origin because the premise behind it would be that the 0.1% of the population in LCPS that is designated as non-binary was suddenly persecuted to no end and they needed to have rules and regulations drafted just to protect them. So I'm a data person, and that's where I got the 0.1%. I went onto the website, mm-hmm. and it says it, 0.1% non-binary in LCPS. Not to mention the fact that um, half of a percent of the population of Virginia mm-hmm. declares themselves as, as really? transgender. Yeah, half I of thought it would be less, but yeah. Half but of a percent. Still extremely um, small. So I'm going to go with the 0.1% since LCPS put that statistics out. And uh, all of a sudden... Uh, I talked to people that are in the schools, and they said, yeah, they took away our staff bathroom. They took away our teacher bathroom. Uh, I now have to walk across the school Mm -hmm. to go to the bathroom because what they did was they took these bathrooms that were for adults, aside from the the kids' bathrooms. uh, Now they're locked bathrooms, and multiple people can go in there, and those are now the new transgender spaces. So that's one of the things. The other thing was the fact that in 2021, the model policies under Northam basically said that your child could have a mental health issue because gender dysphoria is a mental health issue. It was until five minutes ago. It's documented in the DSM. Yeah. So this is not something I went out and made up and said, hey, let me get on the Joe Mobley show and make this up. No, it's in the DSM, right? So mental health issues should be treated as such and get the care that they need. So kids that have gender dysphoria should be getting mental health treatment, right? Instead, the new norm is uh, running to the doctor uh, and getting drugs and leading a child to um, surgery. So these things go against, as you and, you and I have, have talked before, they go again against your religious rights of religious freedom and your First Amendment rights of compelled speech. So you're told to call somebody by a pronoun that you don't believe. Already in the Tanner Cross case, we know that he won. He was reinstated because his Christian values would not allow him to do that. And with regards to uh, parents and not knowing about your child's mental health, I just don't understand that. I mean, you're a parent, so would you want anything to get in between you and your child? You know, I'm mm-hmm. re- the one of the buzzwords right now is the big lie, and they're always talking about elections, January 6th, whatever. The big lie for me is. For the government, for the school, for anyone to come in and say, hey, I care more about your child than you do. That's just against nature from, you know, cubs and lionesses, bears, dogs, whatever. It's, it's just, you know, the, the founding documents, we know that those are Christian men, but it's all up for debate now. People are trying to rewrite history. But they said the laws of nature and nature is God. The laws of nature is Parents care more about their kids than anything else. There isn't some rando out here. None of these neighbors, they each have their own kids. And, you know, the four kids sleeping in that in this house, my wife and I care more about them. You care more about your kids. We can kick it at the barbecue or whatever, but 
LCPS, they come out and they're like representing the government and they say, hey, we care more about your kids. We know what's best for them. It's like, come on. Well, it's absolutely insane in that we make sure that our children are home at night and in bed. We feed them. We clothe them. We keep alcohol and drugs away from them. We guide them through life. Um, we make sure that they put their seatbelts on in the car. We make sure that their Without friends... being told. Yeah. We make <laughs> sure that their friends are good people. And we meet their friends' parents and say, okay, well, my son, my son Johnny can go over there because I met Johnny's mom and dad. They seem like solid people. And then all of a sudden, the school says, um, we know better about your child's mental health. And by the way, we think you have a hostile environment at home and we need to take care of your child. Um, it is the most dystopian, ridiculous situation. Um, and a lot of people are trying to figure out how do we get out of this? I, you know how we got into it, but how do we get out of this thing? And, and the way we get out is, uh, as you said, people need to step up and run for office. Mm-hmm. You need to, you don't need to do everything, but you need to do something. So it could be volunteering once a week, um, a couple of hours. It could be helping a candidate. It could be folding mailers. Yeah. yeah, it could be folding <laughs> mailers. It could be anything. You could be a data cruncher. And maybe you don't want to talk to people. But if I handed you a bunch of spreadsheets, you could discern what, and you can find a trend, right? Uh, so people need to step up. And while I will admit, this is it, this is tough. I mean, it's hard. It takes time away from my family. It takes time away from my son and my daughter. Um, but to me, it's a civic duty. It's similar to like Hunk Cow said, I bled for this country. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what I need to do to give back. Um, <clears throat> and I don't look at it as a job. I look at it as my duty, right? And so if I wasn't here doing this, running for office, I would still be um, out, in the, out at the school board meetings, telling the school board what they're doing wrong and making sure that we expose the things that they're not doing as elected officials. I think the school board has lost their way. Uh, there's no explanation for the behavior that's going on and for the fact that they can't come to consensus to agree that Mr. Ziegler is not the right guy to lead the ship. Like, somebody asked me the other day, they said, how is it that the school board hasn't figured out that he needs to go? I said, well, something's going on there, right? Someone's got dirt on someone else. Uh, that's what I think. And what we what we came to uh, as a conclusion was, <clears throat> it's political, right? And so people try and say we need to get politics. Uh, no, no more political people running for office. Um, I would say most people know there are no independents. Yeah, I mean, in theory, there are independents, uh, but people tend to skew one way or the other. Yeah, and if you sit down and talk to people, and it's not, it's not good or bad. It, it it's just some people lean left, some people lean right, and and I've said this on this program many times. It's good to have liberals. It's good to have Democrats. They they approach issues differently than I do. Uh, some of my best friends, two of my best friends, and my sister that I trust and hold in high regard, they're all liberals, uh, different you know percentages or whatever. Um, but they think about people, they think about problems, they think about what is it to promote the general welfare differently than I do. And that's good. 
but we can't have communist. We can't have socialist. These things are antithetical to liberty. And and I love what you said because, and it used to be, you know, a liberal would tell you this, that duty part, that civic duty is because just like taking care of our kids, one of our chief priorities here in the States is to secure the blessings of liberty for ourselves and our posterity. And our kids are not going to have the freedoms that we had if we fold our hands right now. Now I say that I'm not running for office, but I do other stuff. Yeah, but but I don't I don't I don't disagree with that. I mean, the the crazy part about a lot of this is you and I have talked about the analysis of how we got here and how long did it take, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna say we're at least two, if not more, generations of mental corruption in the system, right? Because at least how else oh, do man. you have affluent white kids graduating from prestigious universities hating the United States? Right, that didn't happen last year. That didn't happen under Trump. It didn't happen under Barack Obama. This has been in the making for a while. And it all goes back, everything's all tied together. It all goes back to critical race theory, right? Mm-hmm. Critical race theory comes into the United States. I think it was the 40s, comes from the Frankfurt School in Germany. I may have my years off, but well, critical theory. Mm-hmm. Critical. And they added the because it first came in the criminal That's right. critical system. Critical theory, critical legal studies. Yeah, for right? prosecutors. Yeah. yeah reimagine criminal justice. Yeah, and so it, it took root in the West Coast and um, took root in um, institutions of higher learning where no one was watching. They got us. Right? Because everybody says, when you're in college, this is your freest time to think. Mm-hmm. Well, there were people free-thinking kids. And into, the real world will straighten it out. Yeah, wow. they were free-thinking kids into a way of, of being that was anti-American. So now we've got several generations of these kids that came through liberal institutions that you would have never guessed were corrupting our kids. Harvard, Princeton, Yale, UCLA, all of the the schools where you want to send your kids to. I was like, I'd love to go to UCLA. I'd love to go to Harvard. Now I'm I'm making a list of schools where I would never (laughs) send my child, right? And that list keeps getting bigger. And the list of institutions where um, someone will not try to corrupt my child is getting smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. And not coincidentally, they're leaning Christian, mm-hmm. you know, but not always true because now we're finding out that Catholic schools and Christian schools have gone woke as yeah. well. And they're it's adopted. Especially the K through 12 private ones. Yeah. Yeah. And we're finding that out. And, wild. And, and again, this is making its way. Uh, to me, it's a cancer, right? Mm-hmm. And our leadership in uh, Latin County Public Schools is a, is a toxic cancer that we need to get rid of because it permeates through the organization. Uh, and until we get rid of that leadership, we're not going to move forward. Yeah. Uh, but there's just so much going on. And and some people say, well, why don't you put some of this out on social media? It's like, because it's not a tweet. It's not a tweet. It's not a Facebook post. <laughs> yeah. um, it's not a mini blog. You actually have to sit with someone and you have to have mental exercises, right? So you're going to walk away from the conversation potentially with a headache. But there's going to be some heat going on up there, right? Because yeah. you're like, wow, I never, I never thought about it that way. Yeah. Um, and that's what part of the problem is in, you know, in running for office is that uh, a lot of people want you to put out these sound bites that sound good. So that brings me to the independent candidates, right? They've got the good sound bites, right? Because these are platitudes and pandering. Right? Mm-hmm. I love kids. Butterflies are awesome. The sky 
is so blue. Grass smells nice when you cut it, right? All these things that everyone can say, I get that. I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. So this, I love kids. We need to work together for outcomes. Um, we need to work on uh, literacy because literacy is a problem, right? I'm so, a candidate for all parents. All that's citizens. a good, that's a good <laughs> yeah, I, I like that one. I might have I, to, I might I represent all parents. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, do you? that's not to say that I don't. However, um, desperate times you, call for desperate measures. You do listen to all parents. And we've tried to have audience mm-hmm. with these school board members for years now. Or myself, personally. Uh, I mean, one of them canceled on me last minute citing personal safety. I've served under every uniform you could wear. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. Uh, I yeah. won't say which one. But, yeah. uh, and I was just like you would sit down and, and listen to whatever parent about whatever issue. And even if you feel like when someone says, I'll take it under advisement, you feel like they're not going to, they're not even the current school board, almost all of them, they're not even going to sit down and have a conversation. They're not even going to placate you. Yeah, exactly. They're not even going to say, Joe, I'm going to look into that. Exactly. Right? Like, at least lie to my face. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. We're not even, <laughs> they're not even willing to do that. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. And uh, so one of the things that I said at the, at the end of a, a debate that we had at Smart School Middle School, or it was an interview, they said, um, what are some of the first things that you want to do when you get into office? And I thought about that. I said, you know, I'm going to be drinking from a fire hose, first of all. There's a lot going on. But most important to me is to bridge the gap to the people that are yelling at me, mm-hmm. right? And that that feel that I am the devil, right? Because I need to understand why they feel that way. And then I need to expose myself to them to let them know who I really am. Because they only, they're only categorizing me, right? They're like, he's a conservative. Um, he's evil. He's, he, I was called a MAGA something or other, you know, whatever. Trump's not running for school board, last I checked. Yeah. Uh, I'm a law enforcement officer, so yeah. immediately I get, I get lumped into... So it's all Does about... that carry over into the school, like defund the school board? <laughs> yeah, I mean... You know, you get thrown in these buckets yeah. and you seem like you're always fighting to get out of them. Uh, I need to reach to those people. So another thing that I've told people, the most difficult decision an elected official makes is the one with which they don't agree, right? Mm-hmm. It's the one mm-hmm. that the popular, um, the populace wants. It may go against, it's not, it's not illegal, it's not immoral, but it goes against your general principles. Mm-hmm. But that's what the people want. And what's my job? That's elected office. What's my job, right? Yeah. I'm there to oh, represent man. the people. It's, let me see if I can find this tweet while you're talking. Mm. It's been killing me that uh, it kills me that we were just the language. Language is so important. Yeah. Uh, but but do you get what I'm saying, right? Yeah. It's like people lose sight of the fact that... Um, when I'm in office, I don't have the luxury of ignoring people, right? Yeah. And so they talk about uh, this group of folks that are uh, that are mad at the school board meetings, that they are, um, you know, a fringe element. Mm. Uh, I don't think that's the case. Um, you know, that's my that's my feeling from everyone that I talk to. What I do know is that a lot of people that are like minded to my platform um, are afraid to express their opinion. 
because oh, of, yeah. because of intimidation and coercion and cancellation. So there's countless people violence. You know, everything. I say, would you like a yard sign? Uh, well, my neighbors. <laughs> I don't really want to. I said, but your neighbor has a Kelly Burke sign and a yeah. Neil Steinberg sign, but and you don't you don't take issue with it, right? No, they can put up any sign they want, but ah, I don't really want to put up a sign because my neighbors. It's like that's that's where we're at today, and that's where most people are that um, are like minded and want to save the country and want to do the right things for kids. Well, they need to. You said you were looking for something online. Gonna get any better? Mm. So this, uh, you know, let's throw this up there. Because I saw it, it says, uh, it's got the founder on it. it. says, Dear America, please stop referring to the members of the Senate and the House as our, quote, leaders. We do not answer to them. They are merely representatives, and they should be reminded of that fact often. So they're actually messengers. I'm supposed to say to my messenger, to Hun Cow, hey, these are the interests of the constituents, and you go and you represent those interests somewhere else yeah and somewhere along the line it got all screwed up and if you did it in any other capacity it would be illegal if you did it with your investment firm if you did it with someone who went to represent you at a shareholder meeting if they didn't it's like a fiduciary agreement finance (laughs) if they didn't do the things that were best and or the things that were mutually agreed upon later on calls through email correspondence then what they're doing is fraud, corporate fraud, finance, or whatever. So much about how the government is operated, it's not legal fraud. It's not enforceable under, you know, Title 218 or anything like that. It's just <laughs> soft fraud. Is that even a thing? And so this isn't how this is supposed to be. And you have that understanding. And that's why an elected official votes against their conscience, but it's still something that's legal, moral, ethical, that, that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. because that's what the people want. Yeah. So a perfect example would be um, sexually explicit material in the schools, right? Mm-hmm. I have a position that I don't think certain things should be in the school funded by public tax dollars. The things that I refer to are extreme uh, by, by any means, because I've read them at a school board meeting, and everybody in the audience across the political spectrum had wide eyes and dropped jaws, right? And and they were all like, oh, my Lord. A lot of people I talked to say, that can't possibly be in the school. Said, I'll bet you 50 bucks. No one's taken me up on it yet because my buddy looked at me and said, I don't want to lose the $50. I think you're right. And then his jaw dropped and his eyes opened up and he's Mm -hmm. like, I can't believe this. Um, But, you know, words matter. You're a, a student of vocabulary. And when you talk about that word leaders, I pick my words very carefully uh, because when you call someone a leader, you expect certain things from them. You expect mm-hmm. them to act in a certain way. Yeah. Um, tyranny is part, not necessarily leadership, right? That's just coercion and, and force, yeah. right? A leader is someone that inspires you to do things by because you're inspired by their leadership and they will get in the trenches with not, you. Not by dictate. <laughs> and then and they're not afraid to bring you up, right? And have you share in the glory of leadership, right? Uh the the problem that I see with our elected officials, especially at the local level, the problems that we've had with removing these folks is that 
they have written themselves laws to protect themselves into their offices. Oh. Right. And so they pulled an Oklahoma Transit Authority. They did the same thing out there. Exactly. <laughs> when where in life do you get to vote for your own race? Yeah. Where in life do you get to dictate your own terms of employment? So you go to work for Raytheon, let's say, and you say, okay, uh, on the fifth year, I'm going to get this percent raise. I'm going to get this percent. And by the way, you cannot fire me without 10 years notice and a severance package. Yeah. And I'm going to get all of these benefits. And by the way, I don't need to tell you what I'm doing while I'm working for your company. Lori Lightfoot recently passed, was trying to pass a law that ties her salary to inflation. Right? I thought there wasn't any inflation. It's transitory. The transitory inflation uh, that is is hanging out for a while. Um, She wanted to pass a law to tie her salary to. So meanwhile, these elected officials are getting raises. They're they're fat, dumb, and happy. Our superintendent's making $300,000 a year. And then he accepted a a $28,000 raise. Um, But there's corruption at the legal level in the Code of Virginia, in the legislature, in the Constitution, going up to the federal level. Uh, Over the last two years, the government collective has passed so many laws that give them extreme power in Mm -hmm. the case of a pandemic. And regulations. laws In the case of a pandemic, they get to define what a pandemic is, right? And so if someone comes up out of a state in the middle of Montana and says, we are currently in a pandemic, by the way, all these things now come yeah. in effect. Yeah. We have governors of states that still refuse to give up their emergency powers. Yep. Last I checked, Gavin Newsom would not give up his emergency powers because he said he still has more to accomplish. You remember what they taught us about emergencies mm-hmm. being rapid, uncertain, rapidly evolving, uncertain, uh, Finite. <laughs> like, Finite. Not, you, not if you're a governor. Yeah, you do not remain in an emergency state for two years. Talk about the disparity of, yeah, just talk about a, a blatant double standard, the disparity between a law enforcement officer who needs to make a very likely life or death situation in a split second, a true emergency, versus Gavin Newsom with his sweater vest and his ice cream and his mansion for 24, 25 months. What? And the standard by which... Yep. It just and it just it just goes on and on. And so we're at a point um, where we're just pawns in the game. Like you and I are pawns. um, And the only thing we can do is speak out, do these types of things, run for office. Um, And one of the things that also really gets me from a school perspective is the disparity. And I hate to say it in minority student achievement. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you've got people like. Oprah Winfrey, LeBron James, um, take your pick, right? Successful African-American something or other, right? Mm-hmm. Talking how terrible Whoopi Goldberg, how terrible the United States Barack is. Obama. How, Barack <laughs> Obama. How miserable this country is and how how just, just oh, it's just so bad. And they would have been multi-hundred millionaire, you know, in other countries, right? Yeah, yeah. And and so particularly LeBron James, he's been outspoken over the last couple of years, always has something to say. Um, my first comment to him would be, you're a basketball player, go play ball, right? That's what you do. You get paid millions of dollars to play ball. 
that's an entertainment position along with skill of being a ball player. Please go play ball. This is not a political... But then there's the convenient silence because he was very outspoken about Officer Derek Chauvin. He didn't have anything to say about David Dorn or his family or... He didn't yep. have anything to say about inner city violence. Yep. David to, Dorn, the very retired police chief that was gunned down during the violent riots after George Floyd's death yeah. while he was protecting a friend's pawn shop. Yeah. Right. And he killed in the likeliest of ways. I'm a uh, mid-30s black male. And the leading cause of death for me mm-hmm. right now is I think it's 18 to 40-year-old black male. Yeah, that does. I'm not racist. He was gun, he was that, gunned down. Data thing. He was gunned down, and I believe it was filmed. Yeah, I believe someone had their phone out and was was YouTubing it or Facebooking it uh, while it was happening. The only, but that doesn't matter. Nobody talks about that. The only thing that quieted my soul a tiny bit in that whole encounter is that uh, I think there were two people who were convicted. Phones, I think, and yeah. yeah. That, oh. that too, but I yeah. think there were at least two people with phones, and one of them went over so he didn't die alone and talked to him and said, hey, man, you know, like you're going to make a way for the yeah. ambulance kind of thing. Um, and good for that guy. The other the other person with the phone was quiet. They weren't, you know, talking. But that's a very sad commentary on America today. Oh, yeah. And so you want to talk about what's wrong. Day. What's wrong is that people felt it was okay to destroy their own communities, right? Yeah. The black community destroying the, the black community destroying the black community because they are angry, allegedly angry at the white monster that caused all of this. So back to LeBron, this person is very outspoken, always has something to say. Um, you know, the problem goes back to early childhood education, right? And so mm-hmm. you're complaining about kids in high school and after and uh, young adults that. Mm-hmm. Have no have no father figures when they were growing up, had nothing, and sort of just fended for themselves. And now they are the product of what was created in the inner city, be it welfare, be it whatever. You really want to put your money where your mouth is, educate your people, right? And so as a Hispanic, if I was going to start complaining about Hispanic literacy and uh, people joining the gangs, get them in kindergarten. Yeah. Give them a place to go. Give them community centers. And you can do it at any point in your career mm-hmm. because uh, everyone that I've worked in human trafficking for many years, I don't anymore. So everyone knew I felt a certain way about Jay-Z. Brilliantly talented, but he was a prolific drug trafficker and that ties in with the, the big trafficking, arms, humans, uh, drugs. Um, you know, Jay-Z recently was uh, filmed, or we say filmed, whatever, on the internet saying, the people write him all the time. They want to be just like him. And he attributed his success to his love for reading. He says that he's a prolific reader. He reads all the time. If you listen to his rap, which a lot of it is trash, um, but just listening to his vocabulary and wordplay, you can tell, oh, this he's man well reads read. books. Um, and uh, one of his albums is called Magna Carta. If you actually read the Magna Carta, and most people don't know that, you know, the form of government that we enjoy, the catalyst for that. It was, was a precursor. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was like, all right, credit where credit's due. He's saying so many black kids, black and brown kids, write into me. He said, hey, if you're not reading books, you're never going to be successful like I am. No, I'm you're, like, abs- you're absolutely right. Why isn't that what LeBron is saying? Well, and, and, uh, and put your money where your mouth is, right? I mean, I can complain about everything all day long. I got plenty of stuff to complain about. 
but are you affecting change, right? And so it comes down to, even if you opened up one school, let's say you're LeBron, you dedicate yourself to a neighborhood. You find yourself a neighborhood in Southside Chicago or Detroit or wherever, a poor black or Hispanic or minority neighborhood. And you say, I'm going to create an academic center of excellence here. I'm going to team up with the law enforcement community to make sure that these kids have um, what they need to be lawful uh, citizens. I'm going to provide childcare. I'm going to provide after school programs and help bring up a generation of youth that are going to pull that ethnic group out of their despair, right? Because that's the only way you're going to do it. Uh, and it's been proven that by, you know that people are trying to get at youth by what's happening now. People are trying to get at kids to indoctrinate them in a certain way of thinking because they realize that kids are sponges and you're going to basically create robots that are going to do whatever you need them to do in the future. But it's a, it, I'm so tired of hearing um, black and Hispanic SOL scores are, are even worse than white scores. And the disparity between white kids and black kids is growing even more. But every year they still talk about that same statistic, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody's doing anything about it. You know, what they just they keep telling you about. Don't it. want to talk about. Larry Elder talked about this all the time. Uh, Paul Lott, you know, you and I know Paul. Yep. Um, his research is outstanding. But they looked at Baltimore City and said, and Larry Elder will say this about Baltimore, Chicago, Detroit. But they looked at Baltimore City and say it's a third Hispanic, a third uh, white, a third black. Um, it's really concentric circles of poverty because. They were saying seven out of 10 of the black kids are dropping out. Seven out of 10 uh, or 77%, 75% was 69% of white kids. So it was just seven out of 10 kids, period. Yeah. There's no, don't even say black kids or Hispanic kids. It's concentric circles of poverty. That environment is so corrupt and so malicious against children that they're all dropping out. And it was, uh, oh man, I can't remember if this is pre-pandemic or if this is 2020 and 2021 numbers. Um, but I, I agree. I don't, I don't want to just hear the label, that immutable biological fact, and then statistic, 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 um, as if... Well, they, they make it seem like if you're Black or Hispanic or some other, other BIPOC minority, right? Yeah. Um, if, if you're some sort of minority that you have some genetic disposition to stupidity and failure, mm -hmm. right? It's almost like, well, these black kids are doing bad. These Hispanic kids are having a hard time. It's like Ben Carson seemed to do pretty well, right? Not a great environment. Yeah. Um, Larry Elder is a pretty damn sharp guy. Yeah. Barack Obama yeah. seemed, to, seemed to fare very well despite being black. Is it tough in Kenya? Right? Um, who knows? <laughs> Just, <laughs> Michelle Obama, Oprah Winfrey, yeah. Whoopi Goldberg, all these people were able to figure it out and they'll probably come back and say, well, my grandma raised me and she raised me right. Yeah. Or my, uh, my uncle raised me because my mom and dad weren't around. There was family. There was like, always... Like, and hard work. The common denominator is hard work. But there was family. See, that's yeah. the thing. Uh, the common denominator between a lot of this is meritocracy and family. 
There was always someone in your life that you felt you could look up to and you can you can work towards that goal. And that was guiding you saying, Joe, you don't need to do that. This is why those friends are not good for you, right? Mm-hmm. You need to do some of this, right? Yeah. But but what's what's the public education system and the government trying to do now? Break up your family. Mm-hmm. Take your child away from you. Claim that they have a mental health issue that you're not affirming. And we're just going to take them away because you're a terrible father. Mm-hmm. And that can't be further from the truth. Like, so you're pulling kids out of families. And a lot of a lot of the kids that go through this gender dysphoria and then maybe transition surgically, um, you hear their stories and they say, you know, I felt so good when they came to me and said, yes, I could be a boy. I'm a girl. I'm a girl. Or I could be a girl. Uh, it felt so good to finally be accepted. And I was euphoric about it for a while. I started taking the, the hormones and it was okay. And then the hormones sort of flatlined at one point. Yeah. And you started to feel the ill effects of pumping your body with something that's not supposed to be in your body because <laughs> it's not designed, right? You're yeah. putting diesel fuel in a gasoline engine, right? It may run for a while, but at some point it's going to fail. Uh, just watch TikTok about that. And, you and you the, just sent me a text. <clears throat> oh, no. And, and then um, they transition and they say, it was all good. I felt really good for a while. But the mental health issues never went away. Mm-hmm. It was all superficial. Yep. I thought that was what I wanted. And you have people that are in their early 20s saying, I wish someone would have told me mm-hmm. that when I was 15, I shouldn't mm-hmm. have done that. Because now, So now you got the double whammy. You've gone through mutilating surgery and you can't go back. You can't even, you can't even think about going back because um, there's that person on, uh, I think it's Twitter, Chloe. uh, That is a detransitioner that's been very outspoken and has gotten a a rash of insults and negativity. Abigail Schreier, irreversible damage. Yeah. Um, And it's just so sad to think that you're willing to bring these kids into this, you know, 100%. Who's there when they do transition? Who's there when they get to their lowest low? The doctor's not there. The school counselor's not there. That teacher, that uh, that activist teacher with all the flags yeah. around the room yeah. isn't there anymore. This is years after high school. Now you have this adult who is completely at a low point in their life, sitting in an apartment contemplating suicide, contemplating suicide because they just can't figure it out. They never, their mental health issues were never addressed. Yeah. So this is what's really sad about all this. And it, again, circling back, it all gets back to the kids. Like I told somebody, I said, my wife and I probably could figure out how to take my child out of school and pay for it. Might have to give, give up some stuff, less, less pizza, less steak, uh, more chicken and fish sticks. But that's not going to fix the problem, right? Because you and I, have an obligation to humanity and our fellow our fellow man and our country to make sure that all children get an education that's going to put them in the best position when they get out of high school to go on to either college or a trade or whatever. Mm-hmm. And for us to walk away, I think it's a disservice to our fellow man. It's a disservice to society. We can't just, they're saying, well, get out of public school. Go take your kid to private school if you hate the public school system so much doesn't fix the problem. We need to take our public schools back because they're supposed to serve a purpose, which is education. And they're not. They've gone off the rails. And that's why 
again, that kind of circles back to how we started, why I'm in the race, because I want to take it back so that the, the children that do not have the choice have a place to be. And it's a yeah. safe, nurturing, learning environment. The people with three jobs, the people that don't speak English, uh, the parents that trust the public education system. We, you and I need to speak for them. You know, the progress word is just a lie. It was like this when I was a kid. Um, I don't know where you grew up, but I'm just going to assume, correct me if I'm wrong, it was like this when you were a kid. Teachers used to advocate for the student and even the parent to the administration because they were saying, you guys are giving us too much crap. You're adding too much non-essential stuff and the curriculum is tapped out. We need to teach the basics. We need them to get this core block of knowledge so they can be successful no matter what. They really pushed reading. You need to know how to read. You need to know how to do arithmetic. Um, and teachers would push back. They, they advocated for us when we weren't there, when administration was trying to make them do more of this, more of that, and more, you know, and it's like, hey, all that stuff is fun, but how we best serve these students and their families who've entrusted them to us, that used to be the teacher's mantra. Hey, we, we can't teach them that, and we can add that on the back burner after we teach them this. Now they have brought everything into the classroom in the name of, Fill in the blank justice, climate justice, social justice, racial racial justice, whatever, um, and progressivism. And the the thing to support is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, the flags, the genders, the political ideological nonsense, and the basics are getting smaller and smaller. And one day soon, it's going to be a full indoctrination camp where you learn about flags, pronouns. You don't know what a pronoun is, an adjective, or how to conjugate verbs, but pronouns. These things are getting bigger, and what they need to learn is getting smaller. And what has happened to the teachers? Because they used to, I heard them at PTA meetings, duking it out with administrators. Well, so what I remember from school was academics. Like, what? It was a lot of work. (laughs) Like, you would go to English class or math class, and you're like, oh, not again. We're gonna sit in. The, we're gonna sit down. And we're gonna start doing math, right? You walk in the class, open up the page blank of your book, books. Mm-hmm. That's a novel concept. Open up to your book, pull out a sheet of paper. I want you to do exercises one through four. Then we're gonna. I'm gonna walk around. I'm gonna check them. We're gonna do our lesson. Yeah. That's what it was. It was. You walk in the class. You started academics. Uh, five minutes before class, we're getting ready to wrap up. See you later. Okay, Mr. Mobley. I'll see you tomorrow. Another miserable day of math class, right? <laughs> yeah, um, it was hard. What was on the walls? Math, propaganda, math. Yeah. Like two oh, and two is so. four, the times tables. Yeah. Um, there might have been an abacus in the room. There might have been... E equals um, squared or yeah, something. Yeah, <laughs> all sorts of stuff related to academics and an American flag. Now, teachers use the classroom as their political stage, oh, right? Yeah. In my opinion... BLM flags, pride flags, trans flags have no place in the classroom. That is the teacher's personal, political, and uh, social constructs and agenda being put around the class, right? That, oh, that, has, that has no place in the classroom, right? Because I, I got to ask you about that. You're a detective because <clears throat> I used to tell people, hey, an adult showing an interest in the sexual proclivities of a minor is a red flag. You know, call, them, call the cops. What would happen if... You know, even me as a as a straight 
uh, straight Christian man, if I sat down in the 90s, if I sat down with my classroom and were like, hey, I got to tell you guys about all the things me and my wife did last night or on our honeymoon or on. So someone said it the other day, Jack Prasobic was, um, I think he was doing a special on Newsmax and someone was being interviewed and said, when I went to school, I didn't know anything about my teacher. Like, I didn't know whether they were straight, gay, bi, married, single, lived in, lived near me. They all existed lived in a house. In school, lived, that was it. It was like Miss Manichinsky. That's what, that was her name. She wore dresses and she smelled funny. Right. Great teacher. We have the same. <laughs> right. And so, but it was complete. It was yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Mm-hmm. If the teacher told you to sit down, you sat down for fear of getting in trouble at school, getting in trouble in the principal's office, getting in trouble with your mom, and then wait till your dad gets home. So you got whooped four times, right? You got disciplined four times. So you avoided that at all costs, right? Now, again, it goes back to this thing. The classroom all of a sudden became this social stage of, well, why can't I... I don't understand how I'm not going to be able to tell my children um, what I did with my partner this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, that's because they don't need to know. Like your third graders, why would you want to tell them? Like what? It does. It. I thought it was fake news when I saw it online. I was one. Of the, I wasn't no big fighting it, but when I first saw it, I said, "There's no way there are adult human beings with degrees telling kids." Yeah. What are they doing? I, yeah. I thought it was fake news, and then I saw it. Yeah. I or they want to put up pictures of their their partner, or you know. Yeah. And I'm not saying you can't. No one's saying you can't be gay, trans, lesbian, bisexual. No one said that. What they said is you just can't teach my kids that, right? Because that's not how I'm raising my child. Let's say I'm a very a conservative Muslim. Let's say I'm a very conservative Muslim, and my daughter has her hair head covered because she wears a headscarf. And I would never leave her in a room alone with a boy, much less let the boy disrobe in front of her. And now she's got to go to a locker room at gym and there's a boy taking his clothes off in front of her. You know, what what happened there? Like that that just doesn't work. These are things that are not up for discussion. They're absolutes, right? You don't you don't um, go into a modest woman's space mm-hmm. with all sorts of all sorts of sexuality because that's a, that's akin to approaching a nun and you're in your g-string at church, yeah. right? And you're like, well, I, I can wear a g-string. You haven't I, done that, I, yeah. I can I can wear a g-string. Uh, why not? I mean, it just you know, I God accepts everybody, you know. And it's like, well, you wouldn't do that to a nun. Because you have respect for that nun, well, why can't you have respect for little girls and little boys? Because little boys are also affected. We had someone speak at a school board meeting that said, my little boy is traumatized by being in the bathroom and having a girl walk in on him. That's legitimate. You know? Yeah. He's not a sissy or anything. He's in the bathroom and there's a girl walking in, you know? So these things are just crazy, I, you know? Um Hopefully I can get on the school board and we can um, figure some things out. Um, I, I laugh because I, um, did I tell you I was doing my first stand-up last Saturday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did my first stand-up on Saturday at Rock Bottom in Bethesda. 
And uh, I got a baby bladder. So like I got a 90 minute, two hour max for meetings, interview, but it could be with the Pope, the president, doesn't matter. Two hours, yeah. I got to go to the bathroom. Um, so like she was about to start and I ran, I actually, we had dinner beforehand. So I'm like, I got to go to the bathroom during dinner and before the show starts in the middle of the show. And I walk in the bathroom and, you know, I'm like, oh man, it's so nice in here. They're all individual stalls with full doors. And yeah. I'm like, man, this is crazy. This is how fancy it smells all good. Yeah. And I walked out, I looked to my right. And a gentleman walked out of the other door. I was like, oh, no. And then, like, I looked at my left. And the two female bartenders looked at me. I was in the ladies' room, man. I just, oh. <laughs> oh, man. And Clinton oh. and Thomas were there. They were making fun of me. And oh, Alicia, that's funny. And <laughs> that's funny. And you're like, how do I, where's the exit? Yeah. I, I need to get out of here, and right? it's like, no one would even say anything. Like, this yeah. day and age, you can't. Yeah, um, you can't. You can't. Like, but, you know, I was dressed like this. You know, yeah. I'm obviously... But I present but as a so, man. So just along the lines of that lunacy, when policy 8040 was passed with LCPS, when they said boys can go into the girls' bathrooms and yeah. vice versa, they also decided to earmark money to make the bathroom safer. So, okay, you created... And that was completely against. There was huge public outcry against The policy. Oh, 100%, right. And they... And they still did it. Uh, yeah. And... They wanted to make the bathroom safer. So I said to myself, the bathrooms were safe. They were safe when there were boys in the boys' room and girls in the girls' room. Well, we want to make sure that girls are, are feel safer in there. Why? Because boys are going in there? Mm -hmm. And so that's something I'm going to bring up. It's like, let's, let's rehash this conversation about making the bathrooms safer. Why did they need to be made safer? What... What condition caused them mm. to be unsafe, right? That's mm. gonna that's gonna start a conversation. Well, no, it's just we wanted more people to have more privacy. Why? If if that's just like Scott Ziegler saying, mm. we don't have any type of problems with sexual assaults. And the day of the sexual assault, sending out the email, the reminder about sexual assault policies. Yeah. Interesting yeah. timing. Yeah. Very that was all that was all wordsmithing because um, oh, and it was it was it was very scripted. Very very scripted. Beth, Beth Bart's asking a question. Well, uh, I'd like to ask a question. Are there any sexual assaults? It, it's almost like they had a script in front yeah. of them. Yeah. Um, and so talk about things that, that warrant his removal. That lie. Yeah. right? That was a lie to the board, on record, and to the public. Yeah. All right, the subsequent lie, uh, where he comes out to the public and then lies about it again. Yep. Line number three, um, I was not the Title IX officer, right? That, that was um, Mark Smith. I think it was Mark Smith. Or mm -hmm. um, Turns out, after a FOIA, he was listed as the Title yep. IX officer, right? But Mark Smith was the Oliver North of LCPS, and they made oh, him... They, they make us pay for those. They, and FOIA's the irony, nine. the irony, Smith was black. Mm -hmm. So he fired a black guy as the scapegoat yeah. for what he did. A white guy fired a black guy as a scapegoat yeah. and, we, they're, and they're pushing say, equity. We can say a rich white guy because that man gets paid a lot. Yeah. And he just asked for $100,000 total cost burden for his assistant to have an assistant. Yeah, yeah. And so what? you look at these things, so there's that. And then um, there's the lie about the investigation. I want to do a transparent investigation, get everything out. Can we have the results? No, it's not really transparent. It was under attorney-client privileges. Privilege. Um, 
You didn't know that? Well, I can't really share it with you. So I've not minced words about this at all. <laughs> Everyone knows I support Sheriff Mike Chapman 100%. And Scott Ziegler tried to do him dirty. And Mike would never do, or uh, Sheriff Chapman would never do this. But it basically put them in the bird with the whole... Oh yeah, you know security that, that, that meeting. That meeting. Yeah. Uh, I, the, the blame good, solely good, rests. That's why I love yeah. being here with the sheriff's department. Yeah. That Woo. that that blame rests solely at the feet of Ziegler. Yeah. Because he created that situation that 100%. forced forced people to do certain things, and on the lines of the having a sheriff. So just imagine, Loudoun County. Think of the parallels in California. A Democratic Board of Supervisors, mm -hmm. a Democratic School Board, a Democratic Commonwealth Attorney, Commonwealth attorney yeah. and a Democratic Police Department. Yeah. Right? Controlled, the, the by the, controlled, by the, controlled by the Board of Supervisors. Yeah. Uh, there probably would have been a paddy wagon outside, a bus, a school <laughs> oh, bus, yeah. hauling yeah. people away for treason. Yeah. Because it would have been at the direction of Phyllis Randall, and the board of supervisors and all and sorts of folks across town. There would have been a bunch of people, uh, you know, stealing from Wegmans and, and Best Buy and all. Yeah, but the paddy wagon would have been outside the school board. Yeah, meeting for yeah. Us. And so, you may not like a particular sheriff, but you really should like the office of the sheriff. Yep. And so, you may not like the president, but you should like and respect the office of the president, right? So, those are two different things that people cannot separate. Uh, and we spent half a million dollars, the county, uh, the Board of Supervisors, to find out what we already knew. We don't need a police department, right? Mm -hmm. But these are these are the types of things that the government is doing. I moved here. The police department debate was before my time. I moved here in 2020, late October 2020. This sheriff's department, again, I'm a data guy. I give two craps, but you work for them or whatever. This sheriff's department is highly decorated, uh, trains other agencies, and it's not just in Virginia or regionally, but nationally. Yep. Why on earth would you get rid of? Oh, there are, okay, how do I say this? There are underperforming sheriffs and their deputies out there in the states and in different municipalities. Every this organization is the opposite of that. Every organization has underperforming people. That's a fact. But this right? is a top five percent performing oh, sheriff's yeah, agency yeah. in the United States. Well, the study was conducted like, are you by kidding? <laughs> the study was conducted by the Association of Chiefs of Police. So immediately, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I immediately yeah, thought I'm to myself, I, I immediately thought to myself, oh, this is not going to go well, right? It's sort of like telling Burger King to approve of McDonald's, right? Yeah. Association of Chiefs of Police. Yeah. They wrote a phenomenal report in like glorifying the sheriff's office saying, there's nothing wrong. There were some people that were not happy with their jobs, but we know that that's a margin of error. Yeah. That's, a, that's a reasonable percentage of people. But other than that, they had accolades, they had training, they had the educational, they had the FBI Academy certificates. They were uh, CALEA certified, you know, all this other stuff. And still, the board of supervisors, well, this fight isn't over. I'm thinking... You guys have... I, I think... 
I think everyone that's over two years on the job has uh, is it forty hours of um, oh, what, it's not crisis. It's um, crisis intervention. No, it's dealing with people with mental illness. Um, it's that's training C- block. That's it's, CIT. Yeah. Yeah, we're all, agencies don't have that. Yeah, yeah. Every every deputy goes through CIT training. It's yeah, crisis I, I, intervention. I read the the white paper, the thing. I still get the homeland emails, and yeah. it just blows my mind. Yeah, Suzanne Fox is the first person to She said, yeah. "You know, they want to get rid of the sheriff's office." I said, "Makes what? no sense." And so it's disingenuous for Phyllis <laughs> Randall to say, "Well, the the police chief wouldn't report to me; it would report to the town manager, or the the county manager, or something like that." Okay. Well, okay. So when you look at the org chart. <laughs> That person reports up to her. Yeah. All roads lead to the board of supervisors, some way, shape, or form. So, you know, don't don't tell me that. But um, there's so many things going on. God, I brushed my hair because it's out of my head here. There's so many things going on, and it's just so ridiculous that you almost have to pick your battles, and you have to kind of chew off, bite what you can chew off, um, and just work on it. And Kind of circling back to the beginning again, back to the school board race. Um, I'm hoping that I can get in there, prove to people that I'm principled and I'm fair, and that my um, God's honest commitment here is for the children to get a better education, the uh, the proper education, and get the identity politics out of the classroom. I got to tell you, if it were up to me, all these flags will be out of the classroom, right? Mm -hmm. No political flags. Except for the one. Yeah, except for the American flag, because we are in America, right? And it's the law. All of these these political ideology flags and personal preference things, uh, if it's not related to what your subject matter is, if if you're an English teacher and you want to put up a picture of Edgar Allan Poe, more power to you. Mm -hmm. If you're a math teacher and you want to put up Einstein, that's great. In a history classroom, this could be there. This cannot. If you yeah, if you have a history can't, classroom can't, can't and you want to put up Booker T. Washington and Harriet Tubman and Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, you want to put all those folks up there? Please don't put, put them up. Don't put Abraham X. Kendi up there with no. Martin Luther King. No, they are that, not because, the same. No, he's not. <laughs> yeah. No, he's not. And he his name is his, his name is Henry Rogers. Right? So yeah, exactly. We're not going to use his stage name. His name is Henry Rogers. Kendi is the stage. So we but, got a little under four minutes, and I'll tell you this, um, and you can take us out for this. I don't support everyone's campaign because I don't have time, uh, but I support your campaign because when you first told me you were running before there was a website, before there was any literature, you had a plan. It's on your website. Guys, please go and support this man's campaign. It's rivera for schools com. It's the word for, not the number for, Rivera4Schools.com. It's also right under the description of this video or podcast. You can just scroll with your thumb because you're using your phone to watch this or listen to it. You can just click it. Uh, but before there was this, um, and they can, you can see the website on the screen, um, you said, hey, you know, I don't have everything figured out, but this is my vision. Boom. You know, save Loudoun County Schools. Uh, and you were just immediately just vibing on these things. Um, so uh, I don't have them memorized. I got to go down here. Security and student safety, advocating for parents, values of integrity and educational excellence, which used to be everyone was on, on that wavelength. But now, um, so you can take us out on this and uh, yeah, we'll call it a night. Uh, so that's uh, RiveraForSchools.com, RiveraForSchools.com. 
Uh, I encourage people to go to the website. I have a long form paper about my platform. Uh, I'm more than happy to entertain emails, go out, talk to people, small groups, doesn't really matter. Love talking to people. And uh, I would be humbled and honored to be the Leesburg district rep for uh, for Latin and Loudoun County on the school board. I mean, that I think to me, that is, a, um, I would be very humbled to do that because it would be an honor. Yeah, awesome. Well, Michael, thanks for coming out, man. It's always a pleasure. Glad the dog stopped barking and just stopped barking right now. Yeah, no. Guys, that's all we got. We will catch you in the next one. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Joe Mobley Show. Remember to subscribe and make sure you don't miss out on future content. You can always show your support by leaving a review or making a financial contribution by going to thejoemobleyshow.com and hitting support the show. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If that was the first prayer you've ever prayed, I hope it won't be the last. Until next time, this is The Joe Mobley Show.